Your phone, your laptop, and your car. What's all that got in common? They all have batteries. If you think about it, you know, a battery is really fundamental to modern technology. It's in our phones, in our laptops, in our planes, and so on. If you've watched the Super Bowl of 2022, you probably noticed that most of the car commercials were about electric vehicles. The era of electrification is here, and it's been on the minds of world leaders and business leaders alike, and rightly so. As this is one of the world's largest industries,、um, so something that might not be obvious to everyone is that the energy and transportation industry is the largest industry on Earth.、Um, it's even larger than tech or healthcare or agriculture. Today, as things have changed, we're going to be talking to two of the most credible voices within the climate tech space, and specifically the scope of energy storage through batteries. The battery report. Battery with battery professionals. Battery technology, battery news, battery research. Nick is the associate business manager at UCL Business, as well as the co-founder and author at Intercalation, bridging the gap between research and commercialization. Today, I focus on the commercial efforts for all the early stage tech coming out from University College London. Yen is the co-founder and editor in chief of Battery Bits. An incredibly curated, incredible source about all things batteries from the experts and scientists themselves.、And、he's also the executive director of the Volta Foundation. When I go to parties, I introduce myself as a battery person. I spend the last ten years of my life thinking about batteries every day. As you can tell, Nick and Yen are absolutely crazy about batteries. And today, at Things Have Changed podcast, we're going to learn about why batteries are the frontier. Of the climate change revolution, and why Nick and Yen are so electric. If you had known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data—things have changed. We're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. Batteries are on everyone's minds right now. It feels like every single day there's a new article about this new battery with this new efficiency and this new material is going to take the world by storm. You know, which is really exciting for the folks in the industry as well as the folks rooting for the industry, whether when it comes to climate tech, right? This past Super Bowl, if anyone watched it, you know, I was not really into the game. I was into more the ads. What's relevant, right? Because that's interesting for us. And every, you know, you can't have a Super Bowl without like fifteen car commercials, right? Every automaker had an electric car ad, right? So that, this is such a big shift from like even three, four years ago. Big countries have super ambitious goals. Big companies have super ambitious goals of achieving certain climate goals, climate efforts. Net zero is the big,、um, big phrase being thrown around today. How do we get there? How do we get to an electrified future, electrified economy? Today, Jed and I are extremely excited to host 
some of the most credible voices within the space, where the industry is going, what needs to be done. Yeah, really good to be here. So my name is Yen. Um, my day job is I'm an executive director at an organization called the Volta Foundation. Um, the Volta Foundation is a not-for-profit community of battery professionals. So our goal is to advance the battery industry by harnessing the power of our community. So the foundation has 15,000 individual members representing more than 3,000 companies. And um, what we do is we provide a variety of networking, education, um, original content to our members. Um, one thing that's unique about us is that everything we do is open access. So our events, our content, our platforms, um, we're really dedicated to advancing the people who practice batteries. Um, I think in the end, we believe that when you empower the individuals, uh, the entire ecosystem will benefit. Um, so that's what I, what I do at the Volta Foundation. My background is a, when I go to parties, I introduce myself as a battery person, which is, you know, really weird a couple of years ago, but it's gotten, <laughs> you know, cooler these days. Um, yeah. I spent the last 10 years of my life thinking about batteries every day. Um, before the Volta Foundation, I worked in a number of um, battery companies in Silicon Valley. My first job out of school was um, a battery engineering role at Apple. And then I studied material science at MIT. So I, I just love batteries and I, it's really, um, the world is at an inflection point um, for, for the industry. So really excited to be here to talk to you guys about it. That was awesome. Thank you. Nick, you want to go next? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I didn't start in climate tech. I really got really interested in material science and engineering because I used to swim a lot. And in 2008, I was looking at kind of the 2008 Beijing Olympics, you know, the, the Speedo laser swimsuits. And I was like, wow, that's a really, really cool piece of engineering that people are using in swimsuits and they're breaking all these records. Uh, so I decided to study chemical engineering at Berkeley because of, you know, sportswear, basically. And then in Berkeley, I did some <laughs> undergrad research in battery tech and supercapacitors. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. But then, you know, back then in 2013, not many other people thought it was that cool. But yeah, I thought it was cool. I did a lot of clean tech internships after that. So I worked in a material science startup called Heliotrope, working on uh, electrochromic smart windows. And the reason, the purpose of those is for smart green buildings. I also worked at uh, a battery startup in London called Adionics, focusing on current collectors for lithium-ion batteries. Which I thought it was a great experience. And then as you, as you introduced my background at UCL business, today I focus on the commercial efforts for all the early stage tech coming out from University College London. And then on, you know, in the evenings and on the weekends, I also focus and started this thing called Intercalation Station, which is a newsletter that focuses on everything in battery technology, battery news, battery research, uh, the venture capital landscape in battery technology, which I started with my friend, uh, Andrew Wang, who I met from in my undergrad studies too. So we, you know, we, we, we've been doing that for about two years now. We collaborate with Yen and the Volta Foundation on a lot of projects like the battery report that we just published. It's a massive report that we, we try to publish every single year, uh, just as a way to capture everything that's happened in the industry, because as you all know, so much has happened. And so it's really important to document this and try to create a cheat sheet for people who, who are really interested, but just they're not able to, to, to keep tabs on everything that's happening. Today, we started off the call by already saying, hey, today we're going to talk about batteries, but a large part of what has happened in the last um, five to 10 years is the excitement in climate tech, right? 
And it's a massive space. You know, there, there's a bunch of different uh, lines of business and industries within climate tech and a lot of opportunities to change. But today we're talking about batteries. So I quickly wanted to give our audience the reason um, why. And maybe you, you guys can help us paint a picture of why that is. Um, but we're talking about battery tech today because um, EVs have been a really, really hot topic in the last five years. Right. So we've seen a lot of the the titans in the auto industry build electric vehicles. And we've seen a lot of the investment in the space get so hot in the last five years. I mean, I, I've been reading, Nick, your articles on how the VC space has been doing it um, in battery tech and generally in climate tech in general. It's just so massive. SF, London, um, all these massive cities who are really, really interested um, in this technology and how it's changing the world. So I guess like for you guys, why do you think battery tech is such um, is one of the most relevant spaces in, in the climate tech space? By the way, Jed, I, I love um, the invention of battery activity as a word. So I <laughs> applaud you for that. <laughs> battery activity, that's great. Um, so I think to start off, um, I take a step back and I think, you know, give the listeners a sense of the size of the industry that we're working in and talking about. Um, so, you know, when I think about the battery industry, I'm thinking it in terms of a major component of the energy and transportation industry. Um, so something that might not be obvious to everyone is that the energy and transportation industry is the largest industry on earth. It's even larger than tech or healthcare or agriculture. And so when we think about energy for the last hundred years, the energy industry has been basically synonymous with fossil fuels, right? oil, gas, and coal. And, you know, I think listeners can look up timelines and things like that. And um, the world has been using a lot more energy in the last hundred years. And basically all of it has to come from fossil fuels. But in the most recent decade or so, um, there's starting to be this new segment in the energy um, uh, pie chart uh, called renewables. Um, and the reason that it's starting to appear partly because of the concerns about climate. And I think a lot of listeners are focused on that. But the other aspect of it is, econo is economics. So when I say renewables, think wind and solar. Um, generating electricity from wind and solar is cheaper than natural gas or coal or nuclear these days. That might be a little bit surprising for people who um, are not paying attention you know, in the last couple of years. But the problem with wind and solar is that they are what we call intermittent. So meaning the sun doesn't shine at night and the wind doesn't always blow. So to have really high penetrations of renewable sources of energy, you're going to need batteries um, to be in the grid, to be in the cars, so that we can actually use um, these clean sources of energy that's actually cheap. Um, and so that kind of brings us to batteries and what's happening uh, in the battery industry for the last 10 or 20 years. Um, you know, earlier today, you know, Shakar mentioned that the, the Super Bowl ads, there's a, a ton of electric vehicle ads. And yeah. I think to a lot of people that might seem a bit bewildering, you know, I think people have this perception that electric cars are expensive or maybe before Tesla, maybe they're low performance or maybe they're just a toy for the rich people or for people who are env environmentally conscious. Um, but if that's the case, why are all of the world's major automakers pivoting to electric vehicles. But like that's, I mean, people who are environmentally conscious is not like the middle of the bell, bell curve, right? Um, 
And the reason that this is happening is because batteries have gotten dramatically cheaper in the last 10 years. So if you guys remember when the original Tesla Roadster came out in 2007, I was like super cool as the first modern yeah. EV. Battery prices in 2007 is over $1,000 per kilowatt hour at the pack level. Okay, so it's the $1,000 kilowatt hour. Today, electric car makers can buy batteries at the pack level at about $100 per kilowatt hour. Wow. So between the original Tesla Roadster and today, battery prices have crashed or dropped more than 90%. Um, and a lot of that kind of um, economic drivers, batteries becoming more and more uh, affordable uh, is driving a lot of that uh, change that we're seeing out in, in industry and in society at large. So why is it that we're not all buying electric vehicles? Um, it's because batteries today is just not quite cheap enough um, to be on kind of uh, on par price with uh, ICE engines. Um, and people argue about when exactly that price parity will arrive. But, you know, people in the industry, we like argue over quarters, right? Is, is it going to be Q1 of 2024 or Q3 of 2024? But I think for the listeners here, it doesn't really matter because there's consensus that we're going to get to price parity and electric cars are going to be cheaper than ICE cars. Yeah. And that's why all the automakers are pivoting to that. You know, we were looking at some really interesting stats where we've already hit peak gas vehicles, you know, peak internal combustion engines, right? So uh, ICE vehicles, we've hit the peak of that. Um, and why is that so? Um, there's just a growing trend amongst young generations that want this. Maybe it's the Tesla effect, right? Uh, where it's now cool before it wasn't. But also all the growth for auto manufacturers is right now coming from EVs, like literally all the growth um, in autos is coming from electric vehicles. How incredible is that to think, you know, even four or five years ago, like, I, you know, I have friends who, who are at Tesla and they didn't know whether they were going to be a company in 2018, right? They were in genuine last minute laying off 10% of the workforce because they could not make the Model 3 work. And, you know, three years hence, Ford has a Mustang, electric Mustang, the F-150, the, the, the symbol of American gas vehicles has a lightning model now, you know? So that's, that's a very powerful signal to all brands. Um, if the auto manufacturers can do it, the energy producers can use and leverage this as well. I think that's a great point. Yeah, Tesla started this journey many, many years ago, you know, back in the late 2000s. And so they have a they have a really, really big head start. And when you look at the kind of auto companies today who are just starting in that journey, they're like, okay, you know, how can we make sure that we're still relevant five, 10 years from now? Because for automakers, you know, they've been around for decades, but it's really not what they're doing today. It's what they're investing in for the next five, 10 years to make sure that they're still relevant. And, you know, with the direction of government policy and tracking consumer trends and just doing a simple survey, you know, that, that just shows that for the majority of people, they will want their next car to be electric. And just doing a simple survey like that will be able to tell them that if we're not investing in EVs or electrification of something, uh, we're probably going to be out of business by 2030. Yeah, um, to sort of pile on the automotive talk, 
you know, as someone who works in the industry, um, one thing that's very obvious is that um, the traditional automakers, they are not adopting EVs because they want to, right? If you, uh, if yeah, you meet the um, tradition, the like executives yeah. from traditional automotive companies, you know, when, when Tesla started, I've met so many executives saying, oh, Tesla is a terrible idea. It's never going to work. Nobody wants EVs. Um, and I don't blame them. You know, that's, that's what their, their entire career is based on uh, uh, ICE vehicles. You know, they're experts in engines and exhaust systems and tra um, uh, transmissions and so on. Um, but the fact that all of them the most reluctant partisan players in the in in the industry um, have decided to really bet the company on this transition to EVs uh, should be a good sign that you know this this is actually real that the, the revolution is happening. So I guess with the you know this influx of capital into climate tech and specifically in the transportation sector, what is that? What's the huge unlock? Right. So if we look at one such use case of, let's say, Tesla building um, a gigafactory, right, that will create tons and tons of batteries that may move the economies of scale so that they could make cheaper cars and make it more affordable for people. Right. So I guess for all of these other companies coming into the space, I mean, one huge unlock I can think about is ventures that um, people didn't have time or money for in the past will be opened in this space because now there's money flowing into it. But for you guys as entrepreneurs and people who are, you know, building communities around around batteries, you know, what do you think the most significant shift is when it comes to getting more capital um, into this industry? I think probably the big theme last year is um, battery companies going public via SPAC and raising a ton of money. And as a battery industry insider, it feels surreal in the sense that when I started in the industry 10 years ago, um, nobody expected to make money doing batteries. You know, <laughs> wow. at the time, if you're a battery scientist, you're essentially like, and uh, not to disparage poets, but you're essentially like a poet. You do it because <laughs> you love, uh, you, love it, you know, the yeah. science of it and engineering of it because you believe in it. And if you do a good job, maybe, you know, other battery people, you know, gets inspired, but that's, uh, you know, that's essentially it. So, you know, money can solve a lot of problems. And I think time will tell if this kind of tens of billions of dollars of investment in the industry um, will sort of accelerate the improvement of battery technology in the long run. In terms of context for your listeners, um, batteries is very interesting as a technology. Um, I think investors are used to investing in kind of quote unquote tech companies, you know, in software where, um, you know, a couple of people with a laptop um, can, can change the world. And batteries is a little bit different. It's hardware. Um, chemistry research takes a long time. It takes a lot of investment and capital. So it's got this longer timeline, more capital intensive sort of investment profile. And sometimes not a really good fit for venture capital that are kind of more designed for um, shorter term, faster return yeah, yeah. Uh, type of investments. Um, yeah, really long timelines, um, talking 10 to 15 years to go from a PhD project to something that can be sold in, at a large scale. Uh, I mean, if you look at Tesla, for example, they've been, they've been going about 14 years to get to where they are today. Um, so that's, yeah. I think that's a realistic timeline, to be honest. We're talking about 
something that has so much supply chain issues already laid into it on the bat. You know, the types of materials that go into the current batteries today, uh, cobalt, possibly nickel in the future, all these materials that that is a hot topic for even governments you know so starting in the space that's why it's so fascinating for us that you're working in the, the commercialization pieces because it must be so damn hard to get all these things together and also worry about the risk that well let's say some chemist comes up with a with a better composition that will completely change the economies of scale um, within batteries you got to scrap your idea and everybody's going to follow that you know one wave um, that will come up in this new battery tech so you've got to be brave um, you've got to be patient because it takes a while you know so it's an exciting space i think but really difficult it's difficult but i think um it's good to highlight the opportunity right it's it's the Talk about total addressable market, energy and transportation. We talked about being the largest industry yeah. on earth. Um, it's risky. I think if you look at kind of the, the fire triangle of new technology adoption, you need technology, you need demand, and you need capital. And I think, you know, 2021 to me means that, you know, now we have the capital piece somewhat solved. Um, demand is going to be there because Electric cars are just better cars <laughs> uh, yeah, compared to, yeah. to, to ICE vehicles. And um, so the technology piece is kind of the tricky part. When I think about the technology piece, really, it's two components. There's the actual science and engineering of it. And then there's the component of the talent aspect. You know, how do we create an education system where you sort of generate a pipeline of good scientists and engineers that can work in this space? Um, one section of our report is um, is called is just talent about um, what kind of salaries are people getting, what are the trends in terms of um, talent in the industry, getting where they're coming from, and something that's really interesting um, that's included in the battery report is that over the last five years, the salary for battery engineers has skyrocketed forty percent. In five years, I don't know about you, but my my salary hasn't gone up forty percent. So I feel like I'm underpaid. But um, but I think the point is that there is a huge shortage in talent in the industry, especially now that there's more money and investment opportunities in the space. Uh, so maybe selfishly for the industry, I encourage if you're listening to this podcast and you have a set of skills, whether it's in software, whether it's in engineering, whether it's in mechanical engineering, chemistry, and so on. Um, yeah, think about. Um, jumping into the, the industry of batteries because we, we have a huge shortage of talent and, and we really need people. Yeah, to, to kind of add on that, uh, you mentioned how hard it is. And I think only people who have worked in hardware will know how hard hardware is. Uh, and it comes from a you know personal space where it's like when you build a fab, it takes five years from when you construct it to actually being able to produce chips. So five years is baked in. So there's so much investment that needs to go from all sides. And you mentioned the the triangle, right? Technology, capital, and demand. I feel on all three levels, even if you compare it five years ago, the, the numbers are like way, way higher for all of it. Like the technology is, has definitely gotten better in the last five years. Um, manufacturing has gotten better. That's why they were able to drop costs by that amount. Um demand for sure and uh yeah i mean capital is coming in like how nick mentioned if you think about it you know a battery is really fundamental to modern technology it's in our phones and our laptops in our planes and so on 
earlier today we talked about how hardware is hard. Um, yeah. If you look at the phone, you know that's what you consider hardware. The hardest part about a phone, in my opinion, is actually the battery itself, right? Mm. And there's kind of interesting first principle reasons for this. When you're using your phone, um, none of the atoms move, right? In the camera, in the screen, the atoms stay where they are. But in the battery, the lithium ions are actually moving physically from the cathode to the anode back and forth. And fundamentally, that's the reason why batteries degrade over time, because when you have things kind of mechanically moving back and forth, they don't always end up where you want them to be. Um, so yeah, batteries is hard. Um, and with that comes a lot of challenges in terms of uh, the businesses that rely on batteries. So you have companies um, like General Motors, for example, most recently they had to recall um, the Chevy Bolt and it cost GM and its suppliers $1.8 billion in, in, in the recall, in the cost of the recall. Um, and that's just one example of, of many, many, um, and not to mention um, you know, uh, when batteries catch on fire, you know, sometimes people get hurt. And it's, it's really important that, um, that we do a good job with batteries, not just for the safety of the people, for the profit of the companies, but also if batteries get a bad rap today, it's going to slow the adoption of electric vehicles, of grid storage, of all these really important technologies that's important to the society and the future of our civilization. So... Um, I'm a fan of history. I think if you look back on history, a lot of the times major events are just influenced by normal people doing what they do. Uh, and so I encourage people who are listening to this, um, you can pick up the battery report, learn about batteries. And if you feel so inclined, right, join the industry and, and, and join this fight. Uh, but for the listeners, I think the tangible thing to do is to just go and download the battery report. Uh, and and it's, I promise it's good bedtime uh, reading. So I uh, highly encourage you to check it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Super and again, informative. We will link that. And it's the, de the true definition of community building, right? Where people all over the globe come together and build this exhaustive report of what the state of batteries is today. Um, so I guess, you know, we, we are coming to the close of this conversation Um hopefully one of many, but I wanted to ask you quick, what are you guys most excited about? In the longer term, I'm really excited for new applications um, of batteries. If you look back in history, whenever there's a better battery, it unlocks new, better, more interesting technologies. If you guys remember the iPod was because the batteries got better. The laptop was because batteries got better. Cell phones, now electric cars. Um, so as an engineer, you know, I really worry that if in the 19, if I kind of teleport back into the 1980s, someone gives me a lithium ion battery. I really worry that I'd be the engineer to say, oh yeah, now I can make a flashlight that's going to last a week, right? But really <laughs> what you should do is, I say, oh, you know, crap, I can make a smartphone. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm really excited for the long term as batteries get better in terms of energy, power, cost, cycle life, safety, environmental impact, all of that sort of performance parameters. Um, as they get better, new applications to get unlocked, whether it's um, software, controls, grid storage, electric flight connected yeah. devices, um, all of these kind of new applications, uh, uh, you know, there's going to be trillions of value um, in, in those opportunities. So we're going to link all of what we talked about today in our show notes. We hope you can check it out. 
I want to echo what Nick and Yen had communicated to us, which is that there's not enough battery professionals out there today. If you're somebody looking into starting a new career or just solving some interesting problems, consider going into the battery industry and reach out to Nick or Yen if you want to start a conversation about how to do that. Once again, thank you for listening to Things Have Changed podcast. And we'd love to hear your thoughts about how we've been doing so far and what you'd like to see in the future. You could do this by going to thingsofchangepodcast.com and hitting the contact us button. Like we always say here at Things Have Changed podcast, stay curious.